This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Brian Lager talks about discipleship and friendship. How are the two related? Where does Jesus fall into the mix? Well, let's find out. Father Brian is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Father Brian Lager was ordained in 2012 and has ministered to in nine parishes. Wow, that's a lot of moving around in a short period of time. Nine parishes before becoming the pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Colby. Um, and we are grateful to have you here. It sounds like you are a busy man moving from parish to parish and ministering and now chaplain. So we'll, we'll find out more about that. So, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to be talking about discipleship and uh, an Ultimately, friendship as discipleship. So, yeah, yeah excellent. But, and and I do remember so, you. I yeah. remember that. The, so especially when you said focus, I was like, yes. I know that's got to be Brian Logger from, I, uh, from Benedictine days. I worked yeah. on your chapel in your backyard nice. for a day. I came out nice. and was telling Donetta and Lester that I helped mud the drywall. Nice. And um, I'm pretty sure you guys had to go back and redo it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that chapel was built by all volunteers. The only thing yeah, was the propane to that. the to the actual building there it's, uh, it's still standing believe I, it or not <laughs> I, you know even back then i loved the idea of it it was going to be a beautiful chapel and um, it's amazing what you've done. So yeah, well, it's awesome. we have like a little retreat center. It won't be available for 10 months after okay. August, but we have like a little mini. So if you want to come That's for a awesome. little getaway, you can celebrate That'd mass awesome. in the chapel now. How cool would That'd that be? be? Cool. Up until up until <laughs> August, you you let me know. We'll we'll set you up. So so it's re- it's really a nice little apartment. So you yeah. let me know. Okay. All right. Great. Great. All right. So our topic is discipleship. Uh, you know, focus for two years, you certainly learned a lot about discipleship and yeah. continue now as a priest. Yeah, and, and just how key it is and just seeing how if we want to spread the faith, which we obviously want to do that, um, there is this need for discipleship. And so kind of what uh, what got me on this topic is I was invited to help lead a retreat for some of the missionaries for focus um, earlier this year um, for the ones that are doing um discipleship in parishes and uh, and so and so we we got on this topic and so just understanding the way that they go about doing discipleship and inviting people into relationship is number one uh, when they invite people into a relationship they first of all invite them into a relationship with Christ they call it divine intimacy and so going deeper into that relationship with Jesus Christ secondly then is authentic friendship uh, with other people and uh, and that authentic friendship being the the means by which they they bring people to know Jesus through that as well and then thirdly the clarity and conviction of spiritual multiplication understanding that if we're going to go to all the ends of the earth to bring the gospel to all the ends of the earth we have to have this clarity and the conviction of heart to recognize that we are we are meant to all be missionaries and to go to the ends of the earth to bring others to know Jesus Christ and spiritual multiplication is the term that they use to understand that okay if i help to bring two people to know Christ and I kind of uh, invest in them in, in our friendship and I disciple them, then those two people go get two people, and then the people that they get go get two people. It, it's a multiplication process, right? Mm. And um, and I can't do the math, but, you know, it gets big really quickly. And so that's that's kind of the model that Focus is based on. And, and as I began to, to really think about this even more deeply and understand this more deeply, I came upon this book, went to a priest conference last summer, 
and uh, a book by Mike Aquilina called The Friendship and the Fathers, How the Early Church Evangelized. And so as I came upon this book and began to go back to my focus days and begin to recognize, okay, how can we do this in the parish and do this in in a real way? I was like, okay, we need to find out what is... What, how we can do this. And, I, and I, when we use that word discipleship, at least for me, uh, it's, a, it's a big word, and I get all these ideas of what it should be, and, um, and it's like, okay, well, that's not a perfect situation, so that's not what we want. And so as I prayed about it, read this book, I realized it's, it's way simpler than, than what we make it out to be. Yeah. It's way simpler to, to bring the gospel of Jesus to other people. And so, and so it's through friendship uh, in which that happens, that friendship with Jesus that friendship with other people, and that friendship with other people uh, leads to a desire to to talk about Christ to other people as well. But but there's kind of a crisis of friendship in our, in our world today, and so I'm going to read to you something from Mike Aquilina, a couple paragraphs about about friendship, and then and then we'll get into it. So, okay. sociologists at the University of Arizona in Duke conducted a longitudinal study on social isolation from 1985 to 2005. In 1985, they found that most Americans could name three people they considered very close friends and confidants. By 2005, however, one in four Americans reported having no close friends, no one in whom they could discuss their thoughts or struggles. The number of the self-identified friendless had doubled in 20 years. This is a crisis because it affects us as not only mentally but physically as well. And it's not just op-ed writers and psychologists with an axe to grind who worry about loneliness. In 2018, the British government announced that it was going to treat loneliness as a public health crisis. I, that, that always mm. gets me, the British government recognizing that this lack of friendship is a public health crisis. Mm. But most of the country's general practitioners saw at least one patient a day whose big problem was loneliness, which is linked to a range of damaging health impacts like heart disease, strokes, and Alzheimer's disease. Mm. The government actually appointed a minister for loneliness to coordinate the response to this crisis. With new funding and organization, doctors will be able to prescribe human interaction. They'll be able to refer patients to a network of community services that can get people together to do something fun. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and the reason that he brings this up in this book is because you know, obviously the book is about evangelization. And so he talks about how evangelization in the first 300 years of the church was all through friendships. Christianity was illegal in most parts of the world for those 300 years. And so how did Christianity spread so quickly in, um, throughout, throughout the known world? What happened was people who converted lived their Christian lives, and they lived next door to other people, and, and they befriended these other people. They might, have, they might have already been friends with these people, and they converted. And then as they spent time with these other people, these other people who were maybe worshiping false gods and, and offering sacrifices at, at, all, at all the temples throughout the city, saw that, okay, they were doing things differently. They were no longer sacrificing to these idols, but they actually showed a tremendous love for one another because a lot of these other idols, you know, they, they had weird cult practices as well. And so they said, okay, well, they're not doing that. They're happier, they're joyful, and yet they're running for their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, the first Christians evangelized through friendship. They went to their neighbors and, invite, and they had a, had a relationship with them. And as, as they built upon that friendship with, with each other, they invited them to know Christ. Uh, they invited them into that relationship with Christ. And so their friendship with Christ went deeper as well. Yeah. And so that's why I say it's it's easier than what we make it out to be because all we have to do is 
our neighbors whom we probably know. Um, I know we're in, we live in a world where sometimes we don't even know our neighbors anymore. Yeah. But at least our neighbors, the friends that we make, we should be living differently in some way so that they recognize that, okay, there's a happiness, there's a mm-hmm. peace, there's a joy about their life. Yeah. And, and then hopefully it's, it's seen and they ask the question, okay, why? Why is my friend so happy? Why is my friend so joyful? And, and that's, what Mike, that's the point that Mike Aquilino makes. And then he goes through and quotes all these uh, people in the early centuries and the letters they wrote back and forth through their friendships. And their friendships weren't perfect. Um, their friendships actually, and I think our own friendships are this way, is that there is correction in their friendships. And that's where true, authentic friendship mm-hmm. comes into play mm-hmm. is recognizing that, okay, you're sinning. And, uh, and so I need to call you out on that. Yeah. Or, or you're living, you're doing this, this is kind of causing problems for our whole community because of your lack of virtue. And so I'm actually going to challenge you on that. And, you know, they talked about the areas of formation. The whole point of, of formation in the seminary is to live close to other guys to learn how to rub off your rough edges yeah. so that when you get into a parish that you can actually be more available to people and be more willing to give of yourself in the parish. Because let's be honest, there's some pretty rough edges in parishes sometimes. Yeah. That's why I've been in a lot of parishes <laughs> in my short time as a priest. You're rubbing some rough edges. Well, my, it's probably my own rough edges, to be honest, and that's why I get moved. But yeah. uh, but uh, but that's that's where true discipleship is, yeah. and uh, and I think that friendship with Jesus is key. Yeah. And and that's when we talk about divine intimacy, it's literally just friendship with Jesus. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. I've told my, my school kids out, out in Colby, I said, if there's one thing that you leave Sacred Heart School with, I don't care if you don't know anything. I don't care if you don't know what two plus two is. If you understand that you are meant to have a friendship with Jesus and that yeah. Jesus loves you, that's all I care about. Yeah. And that you can always come back to him. Yeah. And, um, and so I think I've got it drilled into them enough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that that because I just asked them yesterday at mass um, with the readings. I said, "Okay, what is the one thing that I want you to know when you leave this school?" Yeah. And they said, "Friendship with Jesus." I said, "Okay, you're getting it. You're, you're getting, getting it. it." Yeah. And I, I do think that that is so important. I know when I was teaching my kids, my prayer was always that I would prepare them academically for whatever God had in store for them while keeping in mind the ultimate goal of raising new saints for right. heaven. And I, I think that, you know, that is the ultimate. That's the ultimate. If we don't meet that, then the rest of it doesn't matter. You're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Heaven's our goal if, if we fall short Yeah. Um, and too short. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. eternal death is not, uh, yeah. hopefully is not an option for us. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. 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 Then you have the kid that says, "Yeah, I know, Mom, what you taught me," <laughs> but he's yeah, not actually doing it. You know, know. so yeah, and, where do you go with that one? And, <laughs> and I think that's that's a hard part for us all, right? Because yeah. we all know I need to be doing this, yeah. and I'm still falling short. Yeah. That's why we have confession, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the beauty of confession is I know that I'm still a chump, and <laughs> and I still sin, yeah. and I still got to go back to confession yeah. uh, every every day, or not every day, but yeah. often. Yeah. So that uh, so that I can be restored to the grace of God, and that I can try once again to live as uh, as I'm meant to live. Yeah. So. And I don't want to take you off topic, but if you want to talk about confession, you know, if you want to sure. go yeah. in that way, I don't know, but I don't want to take you off topic there either. Yeah, so. it's 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 all part of the divine intimacy, yeah. right? Yeah. If 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 we're afraid of Jesus, yeah. I, there's a couple things that have struck me recently. So last Falls Carathon, there was Doctor I don't remember his name from from one of the seminaries that came on and talked about, he has the website Catholic 460. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And so what it is is he talks about the Catechism, paragraph 460. And when you look up Catechism uh, 460, actually it's 457, 458, 459, 460, those paragraphs of the Catechism talk about, okay, what is the reason that the Word, uh, that the word became flesh? And the Word became flesh, and the fourth reason is so that we could be united partakers of the divine nature. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that mean? It means that we're meant to be God. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're members of the body of Christ, and by virtue of our baptism, we become... We become like God, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, we are created in his image and likeness, but because of sin, we fall out of that. Yeah. And so we talk about how without baptism, we're sons of Adam, but when we're baptized, we become sons of God yeah. and daughters of God. And we become divinized. And that, that's a word we don't often use in the, in the Roman tradition, but it's one that I think the different things I've been listening to and, and reading, it's coming back into play because the Eastern Catholic Church, they talk about it all the time. Yeah. And, um, and I think we spend so much time talking about you have to act this way and you have to act that way because it's about morality. Yeah. And it is. But why, why do we receive the sacraments? Why do we want to act in a certain way? Because we're called to be transformed. Yeah. Uh, we're not meant to be the same person. We're meant to be a new creation yeah. in, in God. And that requires us to participate in the divine nature. Yeah. We can't do it on our own. And, uh, and so that's what all this is about. And so what confession is, it's that place that we meet Jesus and it's the place that he bestows his mercy upon us. Yeah. And, um, and if we're afraid of his mercy, then heaven's not for us because yeah. heaven is all mercy. Yeah. It's all mercy. Yeah. And, um, and so we, we have to keep going to the font of mercy. Yeah. It's a place where Jesus meets us in mercy. Yeah. It's embarrassing to talk to the priest. I get it. I'm a priest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, but um, you know, the beautiful thing is we can't talk about it. Yeah. We, we try not to even acknowledge whether or not someone went to confession. Like we try to hold the seal so tight that we, yeah. you know, just so that we hold it so tight so they understand that it's a yeah. safe place to come and confess and to have their sins forgiven. Sure. So it's tremendous. Yeah. I can say, you know, it's like I feel like I'm walking a little bit lighter, you know, after I, I after I go in and come out. It's like the stress in my shoulders is just a little bit less and, and I'm walking yeah. a little lighter, you I know. I went to confession yesterday and as I was kind of driving back home, you know, for, for priests out in our area, there's no such thing as anonymous confessions anymore because we have to call someone <laughs> and go. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I realized when I was driving home, I was like, I kind of get depressed if it's a while since I since I don't go to confession. So I have to make it a regular practice of my life or else I become a curmudgeon more than what no. I already am. <laughs> so. I, I, you know, and, and I, I think it's important to say, too, that, you know, you don't have to have mortal sin. Don't wait no, for mortal sin. Not. We do not want to have a mortal sin absolutely on our not. soul ever, ever, ever. Right. So go so that you receive the grace so That's that you right. can keep those mortal sins That's away. Right. It's, it's about growing in the life of perfection. It's that living in the divine nature that we are called to live in. Yeah, excellent. That's what it's, that's what it's all excellent about. Advice. So I, I think for me, I think it's important for me to tell a little bit of my story because um, this friendship was key to my uh, being formed to actually be able to say yes to becoming a priest. So, and you know, my my when I talk about my vocation story, my vocation story starts when I was in kindergarten, and that's not where I'm going to start because we don't have that kind of time. But I want to talk about the friendships that were formed when I went to college. So I was blessed to go to Benedictine College, the best school in the world, <laughs> and uh, uh, and for me. When I walked on the campus in the in the fall of 2000 or 99, when I was deciding to go to college, 
I hadn't even been on the campus, hadn't talked to anybody yet, and I knew that's where I was going. Yeah. There was the the Holy Spirit was just moving. It's like, no, this is where you're going. I didn't look at any other colleges. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it. And and so that's where I ended up going. And uh, I went on a football scholarship. I thought I was a pretty good football player. Um, I went, went back and watched some of my tapes from high school recently. I was not that good. <laughs> but you but, went uh, on scholarship. Did, you did good did. enough to go on scholarship. <laughs> and um, showed up to Benedictine College, and it was actually – the friendships I formed at Benedictine College, it began with uh, my roommates, began with the guys down the hall, and um, and then me knowing that I needed to continue my faith formation some way and growing up with uh, CCD on Wednesday nights, I was like, I was like, I need to do something else, even though um, I was, you were required to take theology classes and stuff. But it was through a focused missionary that I got involved in his Bible study, and I partied for a little bit for in my in my first couple of years of college and um, but it was him who invited me to things that were not party type things who invited me to to actually do different things he introduced me to, to uh, um, coffee he introduced me to uh, uh, cigars <laughs> some some of the bad habits and uh, and he introduced me to bourbon actually too but uh, um, but that's besides the point. But but it was just the conversations that we were able to have with them, introducing me to a to a different group of people, and it was those friendships we formed and the conversations that we had. We spent a lot of time together, and um, and we talked about random things, but the conversations somehow seemed to always get turned back to how to live a virtuous life in some way, or or talked about relationship with Christ in some in some fashion. And uh, and it was just through through all of those friendships and all those relationships formed at Benedictine that I became somebody else. I became mm-hmm. who God wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And and then when I when I joined Focus after college, it was those intentional friendships that that we formed. And I say intentional because when we have these friendships, we need to in some way be able to incorporate Christ in that, into that friendship. It doesn't mean that we have to go and pray rosary together, but, but it does mean that um, you know, even our work relationships, how can we bring Christ in those work relationships? And even, and even just asking someone you know, when they're talking about their life and just like, okay, well, what can you do better in your life? And, and what's, what's make, what makes you happy? What doesn't make you happy? How does this relate to Christ? How does this relate to your relationship with God? Sometimes those conversations aren't allowed in workplaces, but there's always ways to work that in. I mean, people people are longing for things that people are longing for God. They're longing for relationships. They're longing for the infinite and the eternal. And so we have to turn their hearts to him who can actually fill that gap. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of those friendships, um, for me, in focus and through college actually led to me being able to uh, go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. And, you know, you talked about with Father Gail couple hours ago, how it was adoration for him. Um, in Focus, we were required to do a holy hour every day. Mm. I was in Troy, Alabama my second year. Um, not a lot of Catholics, not a lot of um, spending time with uh, students because they just you know, weren't involved in, weren't, weren't interested in Catholicism. So I spent a lot of time in the church with the tabernacle and what I always call the red light, the red mm-hmm. candle, and just the comfort of the red candle. Mm. Um, well, some people's candles aren't red, but uh, just the knowledge of the fact that the presence of Christ is there. Yeah. And it was just night after night after night going there when it was not a great day, or even if it was a great day, just having nothing else to do. Yeah. And so I'd go there in the dark and just sit in the mm-hmm. peace and the quiet of the church with the tabernacle, with Jesus present and the light signifying his presence. And, um, and eventually it was so much that I couldn't say no. 
Yeah. Um, it was so much that I said, and when I when I finally said yes to Jesus, to going to the seminary, to becoming a priest, it was it was everything was very clear. Everything was made clear in that moment. Mm-hmm. Some guys discern, okay, I'm called to the seminary. I don't know about being a priest. For me, in that moment, I knew. Wow. It was the priesthood. Wow. And um, I knew that this is what Jesus was calling me to. Yeah. And and so it was just through that time with Jesus in the tabernacle, it was through that friendships for me to be able to finally say yes, yeah. to be able to say yes and not only say yes, be, be able to speak about my faith to other people, yeah. that, um, that actually allowed me to get to that point to be the priest who I am today. Yeah. So... We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about discipleship and friendship with Father Brian Lager. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Brian Locker. Discipleship and Friendship. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We are talking with Father Brian Lager about discipleship. Um, he certainly has had uh, some great experience uh, yeah. even before entering seminary yeah. as a disciple. Um, you know, in college, of course, as yeah. a focus uh, member, yeah. and then as a focus missionary. And then we're at the point in your story where where you're talking yeah. about going to adoration and hearing Sorry. that call to the priesthood. So where do we go from here? Yeah. So after after hearing that call. Went to seminary, and um, and we had ad- we had holy hour every day, as as Father Gail said. And so that just that uh, the source in the summit, which is the theme of the conference, uh, that's what we went we went back to all the time. But and so growing in that growing in that friendship with God, and that friendship with God, that divine intimacy leads us to want to be able to share that with other people. I think of people who uh, fall madly in love with another person. And, uh, you know, they're kind of, what? what's the movie? Uh, Bambi always talks about they're Twitter-pated. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and so they're just they're just so in love and just like, and all they can talk about is the one that they fell in love with. It's like, can you just shut up? <laughs> you yeah. know, we're tired of hearing about them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but when, when we go deep in our relationship with Jesus, that's kind of what it's like. Yeah. Um, especially at the beginning when you first fall in love. Um, you, d- you don't want to stop talking about him. Mm-hmm. And then I think sometimes you go through a period where it's just like, I can't hear him, yeah. and um, and it's a struggle at times, and and um, prayer becomes difficult, and but human relationships are the same, right? right. Uh, human relationships become a, become struggles sometimes because uh, we're lacking in virtue. The other person maybe does something that annoys us, and maybe you know we have to work through that. And mm-hmm. I think of marriages, which are meant to be. Good, strong, healthy marriages are good friendships as well. Um, And there's a lot of struggles that marriages have to go through. And and the couples that actually go through them, pray through that, work it out, they become better. Mm -hmm. And our relationship with Christ is the same thing. Um, We work on that relationship. We get through the hard times. We continue to go back to prayer. We don't avoid it. We we struggle through those those periods of dryness in prayer. And we're stronger Mm -hmm. at the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, God is always wanting to purify us to make us more like him, always. And even in our prayer, 
you know, uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola talks about how God will pull away the feelings of his presence sometimes in order to make us more attached to him and not attached to the feelings. And so I think of Mother Teresa who went, what was it, 30 years without ever having the feeling of the presence of God? Can you imagine? Uh, no. And I yes, can't. she did. I can't. And, and what she did. I know. You know, and, and right. I just, uh, you know, it's not like even just living a normal life. I mean, she was, you know, right. serving the poorest of the poor joyfully. Exactly. And and to have that dryness. Right. Yeah. I think of I think of when I'm going through dry periods, how frustrated I get and how yeah. grumpy I become. And yeah. I'm just like, no wonder she's a saint. Yeah. Um, there's a great quote from Mother Teresa. I'm pretty sure it was her who said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Yeah. And um, if you can't find time to spend time in prayer, then you need to cut something else out of your life. Not yeah. prayer. Yeah. Um, something yeah. else. I think it was something like, too, um, and, and maybe a different different quote, but I remember something like, if you're, you know, if you're too busy for one hour of adoration, then you need two, you know, yeah. or something yeah. like something along those yeah. lines, you know, and and I think that's true, you know, I and, and I yeah. convict myself in there because I, I yep. am realizing, you know, I just am not praying enough. I'm just not. I think of John Paul II. You know, one of my favorite books uh, about John Paul II is by Jason Everett, uh, The Five Loves of John Paul II. Yeah. I cried through that book so much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I realized, number one, how much I missed John Paul II. Yeah. I just realized that I don't love like he does. It's just like, how can I get, how can I get to that point where I can love like he does? Yeah. And talks about the stories of his um, prayer. You know, he would prostrate himself before the Eucharist for hours upon hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they actually had to find when when he was elected um, or uh, appointed bishop. They had to go and find him because uh, they didn't know where he was. Yeah, uh, they had to go, and he was in the chapel yeah. praying, yeah. Uh, prostrate on the floor. Yeah. Um, but uh, but one of the beautiful things in in that book is he always knew where the Blessed Sacrament was. Have you read that book? I ha- I, okay. I don't know if it was Jason Everett, but I read one of them about the Blessed. Yes. Uh, you you tell the story. Yeah. I imagine it's the same one. Yeah. amazing. He was he would uh, it was Cardinal Jeevish, his secretary, yeah. who would tell people when they were going to a place, they'd say, "You have to hide the Eucharist <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> he will make us late if yeah. he if he finds Jesus." And uh, and I think he was in the United States, and he was staying in the residence with the bishop. And um, and and they're walking through a hallway yes. where the where the Eucharist was, yes. and he turned he turned and he shakes his finger at Cardinal Jeevish and said, "You tried to hide him from me." <laughs> <Shame> <laughs> <on> you, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so he, he but they were just walking down the hallway. The doors were all closed. He had no idea that the Eucharist was there, yeah. that Jesus was there, and he went in. And I then, think of course, they, they actually were had put like a potted plant or something in right. the way, you know, yep. like a huge, you know, to hide it, to hide it, and, and, and like, he just knew. Yeah. yeah. Can you? I, I, no, I, I, I just marvel. I really just, I absolutely Twice marvel. Same, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I can't imagine that I'm ever going to get to that point, right. but we have to aspire to it, right? Yeah. That's what we're called to do. So yeah. uh, I want to read from the catechism. The catechism, I, I go back to this all the time, uh, especially when I talk about morality in the life of the church, because this is a story about me when I when I was in focus I've told this story before so a lot of people have heard this but when I was at the University of Nebraska as a focus missionary we were they had a community night on Thursday nights where where they would invite all the students to come and they'd play games and have food uh, they'd have a late night mass saying like eight nine o'clock or something like that and then we do everything afterwards which thinking about that now I'm just like oh my gosh it's so late <laughs> I'm in bed by <laughs> 10 o'clock now yeah. or try to be yeah <laughs> and um 
but uh, but there was this gal that walked into the back of church as I was coming out, and and um, and she just said, you know, I'm going around to all the churches, just asking them what they believe, and she's like, so what do you believe? And and we're standing there outside the church with the doors open, looking at the tabernacle, and and my mind just went blank, and I looked at her and I said, well, um, we believe in. Uh, good morals and stuff. Like that was literally my answer. Yeah. And I look back on that. And I was like, what the heck was I thinking? Like Jesus <laughs> is right there. Why, why yeah. couldn't I just say that? And um, so, yeah, I think, I think <laughs> we that's. We always a, second guess ourselves. I know. Always. We, uh, we, so I, I go back to the fact that I think as Catholics too often, we think of the Catholic church just, just filled with rules. And so the first paragraph of the catechism, which is, tells us all that we believe as Catholics. This is beautiful. Well, it starts off with a quote, a couple quotes from one from John 17 and then first Timothy. But the quote from scripture is, Father, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And ultimately, that's that's what we're living for. Right. Eternal life. Mm -hmm. And it's really that, you know, the one true God. And so the first paragraph of the catechism says, God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son as Redeemer and Savior. In his Son and through him, he invites men to become in the Holy Spirit his adopted children, and thus heirs of his blessed life. The first paragraph doesn't say anything about rules. I mean, nothing, mm. nothing. Mm. It just says who God is and what God wants. Mm. Who is God? Well, he's blessed in himself. And what does he want? He wants us. He wants mm. us to live that blessed life. Mm. And, uh, and so that's, that's what discipleship is. Yeah. Us falling in love with God, bringing others to know that love of God. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And um, we make it too hard. Right. <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty convinced of that. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that you know. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect or good at discipleship or anything like that. But yeah, we can't talk enough about that. How much God desires us, and He wants to be in relationship with us. So, yeah. I'm... Yeah. So there, the, you know, I talked about kind of the reason that that all this became a topic for me before Christmas. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a dark place like that, but I was in a place. I was just like, I was pretty lonely. And um, being out in Colby, which is, Colby's always kind of been my dream parish. I'm 40 miles from home. Uh, my brother's in my parish. My other brother's uh, close by. Yeah. Um, two, two of my uh, brothers are close by. And, um, and, and so I, I, love, I love my placement. But it was, uh, I've, been move, I've been moved a lot and uh, been uprooted a lot. And so there's been a lot of relationships that have been formed and, um, and pouring out into those relationships. And then when those relationships are um, torn away from you, it's hard to want to form new relationships when, uh, when you move to a new town and um, in a new parish. Because there's, well, for me in 10 years, I've been in a lot of places. And so I've been uprooted a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and those friendships are kind of ripped away from you in some ways. Yeah. And so, um, so I was kind of in a place where in some ways... I don't think I was purposefully doing it, but I was hesitant to form new friendships, form new uh, new relationships, and um, it was kind of feeling I was pretty lonely. And, um, and so I reached out to a friend of mine who who uh, 
when we interviewed to join Focus, uh, we became friends on the interview weekend, which was two days. <laughs> and uh, we became friends that day, automatic. And um, we've been friends ever since. Godfather to one of his kids and um, just constantly in contact. Well, over the last year, he lives in two time zones away. And so it's difficult to find time to talk. When I can talk, he's putting his kids to bed or, or when he can talk, I'm in the middle of you know, whatever. And, yeah. um, so it's, it's been really hard. And so we hadn't talked in a long time. And so it was right before Christmas, he called and, um, we spent three hours just, just talking and catching up. Yeah. And, um, and I was just sharing all this with him and I knew it. he didn't focus. He worked with priests and to teach them, well, really just to listen to them in a lot of ways <laughs> is what he does. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we started talking about what he didn't focus, and I and I just kind of was just honest with him where I was in my life, and I said, I need the same thing, you know. I I need someone that I can have a regularly scheduled meeting with a friend, someone I can be honest with, someone that uh, someone that I know cares about me, and so uh, so we started meeting, and and uh, and this stuff just started bubbling over of this is this is what it this is what it is meant to be yeah. and then and then i you know picked up this book and just realized this is actually this is actually what christianity actually is yeah it's about loving someone to know christ yeah. and loving them so much that they then want to go share Christ also and loving someone else yeah. to know Christ as well. Yeah. The idea of it has become easier. Um, <laughs> he hesitated there. He changed <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I did because because yeah. actually, you know, going out and making friends is not always easy. Yeah. The idea of it yeah. has been simplified because I used to just have mighty concepts and it's just like, ah, it's so tough. How do we do this? The concept is much simpler. Yeah. And uh, and so and so as I've come to know that, you know, that was December, it's, where are we, April now. And so just trying to put that into practice and figuring out what that looks like yeah. um, is huge. But my, my friend, Father Scott, who's a priest out in the Archdiocese of Denver, he, uh, he runs a Risen Christ Parish out there. He's a pastor there. He is telling me they, they do uh, the search program on Formed three times a year. It's mm-hmm. an eight-week program. And... What they do is they, they extend, at first they extended invitations within the parish. And they said, well, invite your friends, you know. If you don't know how to talk to them about the faith, just invite them to this. Mm-hmm. Search is meant to be literally that for people who are searching. Mm-hmm. And so there was this gentleman who struggled with same-sex attraction who was in a relationship. The relationship had ended. They had broken up. And so he was invited to come uh, to go through this program with them. And and in the midst of this program, they were able to offer for someone to walk with them after the program every week for three months if they if they wanted to. Well, nobody was forcing them to do it. They just chose to do it. This gentleman chose to do that. He was not living a Catholic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's far from it. And, uh, and so he decided to do this three-month thing. Yeah. So this person was assigned to him and kind of they were getting towards the end of the three months and it had been an enjoyable experience for all of them. And and the purpose of this walking with them was, was not to correct their actions, not to teach them about morality. It was literally to go have coffee. That's all it was. <laughs> it wasn't anything, uh, anything except for just have coffee or have a meal and just listen to each other. And, you know, don't correct anything that they say. That was, that was the key thing. Uh, towards the end of the three months, this guy had started talking to his former uh, partner, and, and they were kind of getting ready to be back in relationship again. And this person that was walking with him had built this friendship and this relationship with him over these few months and, uh, and kind of looked at him and said, you know, you've been living a very happy lifestyle. 
and you know what the Catholic Church teaches. We've talked about it. It's come up naturally in our conversations mm-hmm. and just said, um, you know, if, if you go back to this, you're kind of denying everything that we've done over the last three months and you're denying this church that you've grown to love and, um, and just challenged him. But yeah. he'd been walking right. every week for three months wow. just by listening. Yeah. And, uh, and the gentleman, after some time and some thought, came back to him and said, you're right. Mm-hmm. I can't deny that this was making me a better person yeah. and it was making me happy. And so I think even this friendship that, I, that we talk about, too often we want to enter into apologetics right away and kind of correct someone's mm-hmm. thinking. And I think even our apologetics, sometimes we spend too much time wanting to win arguments and not wanting to win souls. Mm-hmm. And, and so we need to do more listening. Yeah. And so there's, there's kind of some words that Pope Francis has been using that sometimes drive me nuts. One of those is accompaniment and listening. Um, but he's 100% <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, they, they drive me nuts because uh, I don't know why. But, <laughs> uh, um, but hearing, hearing Father Scott's stories of, of these things, that's all we need to do is just be willing to hear someone out. Yeah. Be willing to listen to someone and be willing to invite them into God's love, right? Yeah. And, and the truth of God's love and just saying, no, God loves you more any relationship that you will ever have. Yeah. And if we just listen to them and show them that love and show them that mercy, um, we can bring them to know Christ through that, mm. through the friendship that we form with them. Mm. So I think that is beautiful and so important um, to make the point that, that sometimes, you know, you got to you got to gain their heart first yes. and then yeah. be able to, to really right. make the change. Yeah. So. You, yeah. Uh, the, the one of the phrases we used in focus was rules without relationship. Mm equals rebellion yeah and mm-hmm. so uh and so if we initially just start talking to them about the truths of the faith or the rules of the faith um but we don't actually listen to them yeah. and and form a friendship with them they're of course they're going to run away and of course they're going to hate the church so in many ways we just need to be better listeners mm-hmm. more than better teachers yeah. the lord be with you and with your spirit and may almighty god bless you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen, amen. go in peace Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Just call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, Harden not your hearts.